right, welcome back to Sports Bites, your bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each episode, I'll look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. Now, in this episode, I'm going to break down a big weekend in college football. Plus, we'll visit another stadium and their food selections from thestadiumreviews.com. Also, I'll go over my give them a six or six picks for the weekend. So let's dig in. So this weekend is the first weekend in November. you know, And that means college football races are heating up. The playoff ratings came out. On Tuesday, the first time the college football playoff rankings came out this year, I'm not really surprised. I'm not going to get up at arms over the first rankings. I know some people are upset. You know, the top six, number six, Oregon, number five, Washington, number four, Florida State, number three, Michigan, number two, Georgia, number one, Ohio State. I I was kind of surprised if you remember I had Ohio State number two in mine behind Michigan just because the way Michigan has played. But it, it seems like the college football playoff committee is really putting a lot of stress into strength of schedule and how they've played. And of course you go on the road to beat Notre Dame, still a name people are going to consider. You beat Penn state, Ohio state's number one. Now, a lot of this could change. Oregon, Washington could meet again in the PAC 10 champion or the PAC 12, whatever they're called now, the, the Pacific collegiate football conference, you know, they, they might meet at the, uh, the play at the championship game there, but Florida state, they still have to make it through the ACC Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other, and Georgia's got a couple tough games in front of them. So not all four of these teams are going to be in the Final Four. It's not going to happen. But there's five games that I've chosen to break down and start the process of eliminating teams from both conference championships, hope, and playoff spots. The first game I'm going to look at, number five, my number five game of the week, includes the number five team in the country. Number five, Washington and the Huskies and their Heisman hopeful Michael Penix Jr. They traveled to number 20, USC with Caleb Williams. Now, could this be the last game if they lose for Caleb Williams? I just, you know, I I don't know. I know it's a lot of talk about will he shut it down, will he not? Washington has struggled the last two weeks after beating Oregon. Close calls against Arizona State, Stanford. Now, don't fall into that Oklahoma lull of beating the best team on your schedule and then trying to coast. Washington has the potential to make the playoffs, and I think they have the team that could play for a title. Now, again, the matchup determines on whether I think they would win it or not, but I think they have the potential to get there. The Huskies have an extremely potent one-two punch with Penix Jr. and his prime target, Rome Adunze. Those two appear uh, to be the spearhead of the number one passing attack in the country. They average right at 400 yards a game. The defense at this time, you know, at this year has looked very strong, but last game, not so great against Stanford. You know, the team showed some holes in the secondary. Now, of course, Stanford has a really good wide receiver, like Alec Ayamanor who showed his ability to do some damage in the secondary if the line can get no pressure. And that's what's key when you go up against Caleb Williams and that Trojan offense. USC defensively, 112th in points allowed. Hope you're enjoying that Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley combo. SC fans, we try to tell you. I feel if USC loses, it might be the last time that you see Caleb Williams play in college, unless his people are telling him that it wouldn't be a good look by the NFL. Caleb is an extremely special talent, but I don't know if he's the leader an NFL team would want. I may be wrong. I and mean, we're definitely going to get opportunity to see for sure, because he will get drafted extremely high and he's going to be in the NFL. I mean, there's, there's no question about that. The line in the game is Washington by three. The over at 76 and a half. Can you believe that? 76 and a half. Now, Riley earlier this week was asked about 
giving up big plays and what he thinks about his defense? Uh, you know, a, a little tough to generalize. I mean, the, the other day for us, it was it was simply coming out of gaps in the run game, and then we made a couple we made a couple of mistakes in the secondary to compound that. And so instead of coming out of a gap and getting tackled for a you know a twelve or fifteen yard run, you're coming out of gap. And we knew yeah, that was a big point of us going to the game. We knew that Ott you know has has great speed, and if he gets in the open field, he's tough to catch. And uh, so obviously letting him out early was was not uh, was not ideal. Now we you know we responded pretty well after that. Pretty much put a, a lid on the run game the rest of the day. But you. you can't give up those and uh yeah i think the challenge for us here going forward is there's those you know right now we're kind of the same as a team all the way around we do a lot of good things we don't need to fix 60 plays but there's about five to ten a game that we we got to fix and we got to do better because they're they're self-inflicted errors self-inflicted errors now he's saying you don't have to fix 60 plays well hopefully not that's your whole damn game lincoln but obviously there's some parts that aren't clicking defensively Zion Branch is now out again uh, with a injury undisclosed, but he's had surgery the other day. He's going to be done. So can they get pressure on Michael Penix Jr.? It could be another high-scoring game. I like Washington. I think Washington is the better team, um, and, I, and I'm enjoying watching USC kind of crumble, just, just being honest. Now, number four game of the weekend uh, here in November, the first weekend of November, Number 22, Purple, Kansas. Kansas State heading down to DKR to take on the number seven Longhorns. Now, Kansas State, like many of the teams before this one, have a real gritty leader at quarterback in Will Howard, but they use Avery Johnson, you know, some as well. Now, he's one of the guys that can run really, really, really good. Um, the Wildcats boast the best scoring defense in the Big 12. They're only giving up 15.9 points per game. And back-to-back games, they have not allowed a TV. Now, Kansas State boat raced Houston last week, 41-0. This is the same team that a week ago took the Longhorns that Kansas State is playing to the brink of defeat. So, I mean, Texas was able to escape. Texas now is going to be without Quinn Ewers again, so big-time ask of Malik Murphy to lead this team and keep pace with the multitude of teams tied in first place in the Big 12. There's five as we head into this weekend, and I think four of them are in competition against each other. The Horns have won six in a row against the Wildcats, tied for first place in the Big 12, uh, and I think... You know, the, to extend this streak, I think Jonathan Brooks is going to have to have a good day. Xavier Worthy, he, you might have to see him making a big play in special teams like he did against BYU with the punt return. Maybe flipping the field on punt returns could be really pivotal. Also, Texas needs to be very disciplined when Avery Johnson comes in with his speed. Think about a Josh Bean at Kansas, that type of player. He's not going to be throwing the ball all over the field. I mean, neither, neither is Will Howard. But I think for speed and what he does... Watch out for Avery Johnson when he comes in the game. It's an 11 a.m. game. Fox Big Noon kickoff is going to be there. It's, it's you know, DKR. It's Texas. I like Texas at home. Uh, you know, Malik Murphy, you know, I think he got away or got rid of some of the jitters, his first official start, because, again, the guy looks like an absolute Madden creative player, 6'5", 240, freak of nature. Plus, you got A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jonathan Brooks. You got some good people around you. I like Texas in this game and, and still heading down towards a Texas-Oklahoma matchup. And Steve Sarkeesian, early on the week in his press conference, had this to say. And uh, as far as Kansas State goes, uh, obviously this is a really hot team right now. 
they've been playing as good as anybody in the country uh, in all all three phases for the last two to three weeks. Uh, I think it's I think it's really important that we focus on us and what we need to do. Um, that, that the details and the level of physicality in which we play the game are at the forefront of what we do. Um, I do believe our best football is still ahead of us, and that part is exciting to me. Um, and we're going to need to play complimentary football Saturday against a very good, well-coached football team in Kansas State. So, It's one thing you can expect when you play a Kansas State team. They're going to be physical. They're going to come punch you in the mouth. Now, it's strange to think that how things have gone this year when you look at the Big 12 and Oklahoma State getting boat raced by South Alabama. Then they lost to Iowa State. Now they're just absolutely running, you know, playing extremely good football. Kansas State got housed by Oklahoma State. But now they're on this run. So it's weird. But again, it's November. It's the first week of November. It's a big deal. These games are all important. You know, if you look at the Big 12 with five teams with one loss, this game could eliminate one of those teams. You know, you're going to get down, you know, whittle down to who are the top two teams in the conference. And you got Kansas State and Texas. And you got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. All those teams have one loss in conference. Give them two losses. They're pretty much going to be done. My number three game. Big SEC East matchup. Number 12, Missouri Tigers travel between the hedges to take on number two, Georgia. A lot of streaks on the line for Georgia as they look to keep their 25-game winning streak on the line, 23-game home winning streak going, and a 35-game regular season win streak. So a lot of streaks looking to keep going for the Georgia Bulldogs. Last year, you know, Missouri led this game going into the fourth quarter, 22-12. to Before half, Georgia had a fake field goal that kind of helped kick momentum in because Missouri was really dominating the game. But it's 22-12 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Georgia scores two touchdowns in the final nine minutes. That propelled them to victory. Carson Beck, Brady Cook, they're going to duel it out in this big-time game. Georgia, who has woken up really since Brock Bowers was injured and is really putting it on teams. Lad McConkey step up, back into form, ground game led by Dewan Edwards. Of course, he's the one that scored the game-winning touchdown last year in this game up in Missouri. But Georgia brings in the seventh-ranked scoring defense, allowing only 14.8 points per game. The Missouri offense ranked 28th in points per game at 33.9. Guys that you need to keep an eye out for Missouri, I think the Oklahoma transfer, Theo Weiss at wide receiver, look for him, Luther Burden, everything that he does. And then, of course, their running back, Cody Schrader, last time they played a ranked opponent, he had 114 yards and three touchdowns against LSU. Good game. I'm not a fan of Eli Drinkwitz. I, I think he's kind of a scoob. You know, you watching his press conference this week, he cracks a Diet Coke can, like, right before he starts. He's like, hey, guys. You hear? I'm like, come on, man. It's it just something about Drinkwitz bothers me. And I kind of laughed watching him get upset that they didn't get the Wingo kid, uh, the wide receiver he committed to Texas. But I, you know, I, I'm pulling for Missouri because I would love to see Georgia lose just because I think it'll cause chaos. Or Brady Cook, I should say, was asked how he feels heading into this week. Yeah, I think it was big for me, big for the team. Uh, I know I'm healthy. Um, this is probably the best I've felt since before fall camp, really. So uh, that's huge, obviously, going into a game like this. And I know the team feels great, too. Yeah, I think it was big for me, big for the team. Uh, I know I'm healthy. Yeah, he's talking about having the week off before the Georgia game. So you've had two weeks to focus. It's going to be big. It's going to be really big. Now, the line is Georgia by 15 and a half, the over at 55 and a half. 
I think I like both. Well, I would take Missouri getting the points and the over, if you ask me. That's what I would do if I was betting on this one. Now, my number two game, it's one I wanted to put number one. But again, trying to be partial, I can't. Because the game I have at number one, I think it's just more important. But my number two game is the final Bedlam game. Number nine, Oklahoma heads up to Stillwater to take on number 22, Oklahoma State. OU coming off the loss against Kansas last week. OSU showing that Ollie Gordon is the next great Oklahoma State back. You know, the offense for the Cowboys, led by Alan Bowen, the great Vine native uh, from Texas, had two sisters who played soccer at OU, but I guess they'll be wearing orange this weekend. You know, and after playing musical quarterbacks through the first part of the season with three different quarterbacks, Bowman has settled in and take the reins for this Cowboys offense. Now, you know, Bowman's not asked to do a lot. This team is spearheaded by Ollie Gordon Jr., okay? That it just it's amazing. And it also means this offensive line is winning the point of attack for Oklahoma State. If you look back, I mentioned Oklahoma State got blasted by South Alabama all the way back on September 16th. That's week three. They lost 33 to 7. Then they lost next the next week to Iowa State, but Ollie Gordon started to eat in that game. He had 121, 121 yards rushing. Since then, the Cowboys have not lost four wins in a row, right? And Gordon has rushed for 136, 168. 282 and 271 yards respectively. That's toting the rock, you know? And OU has shown to call some aggressive run stunts and with a back like Gordon, it can spell trouble if the line can't get off the blocks and if Danny Stutzman, a Lombardi Award semifinalist, is not 100%. Now he's going to play. I think freshman Peyton Bowen needs to be available to make some plays as well. The Pokes defense, though, ranks 57th and giving up 24.4 points per game. The secondary, probably their weak point, and if OU can block guys like Colin Oliver, I think the OU wideouts will have some some success, especially down the field. Oklahoma, of course, coming under much criticism after dropping that last game to Kansas. Jeff Levy under fire. Uh, back in Oklahoma, I'm hearing a bunch of people talking about there were some high school coaches tweeting out to him, telling him you got to be more aggressive for his play calling. And I understand football, and I know what jet sweeps are intended to do. They're intended to soften the middle of that defensive line and keep the defensive ends honest so they're not crashing in. You saw a lot of success with that with Tyree Walker. But maybe someone can run it with a little bit more oomph behind him. And, and, and again, I love Gavin Freeman. I love what he brings to the table. I just I don't know if him running the jet sweeps is the answer. Gabriel needs to get into a rhythm early. In the ground game has to be a combo, I think, of Dylan Gabriel's legs and hopefully health of Tyree Walker. The crowd is going to be nuts. Anytime Oklahoma State does anything positive, they're going to be in it. The paddle people, all that, you know, they're, they're going to be going crazy as well. Gundy is talking like he doesn't care. And, you know, me, I think it's a bigger game for OSU fans than it is for OU fans. You know, and, and their one argument of you didn't go to school there. You know, who the hell cares if you didn't go to school? There? I didn't know that was a prerequisite to be a college football fan, that you had to go to that specific school. And you heard it from Oklahoma State offensive lineman Dalton Cooper. But I'd also say that uh, all the OU fans that are there, maybe about 95% of them didn't go to college at OU, but 100% of the OSU fans that are in my town, all of them went to OSU. So we have a little, we're a little bit more loyal and true at our fan base here, but you know, they're just a bunch of bandwagoners for sure. You love it. You love to see it. Bandwagoners for sure. Now you're from Prague, Oklahoma, home of the Prague Red Devils. 
and maybe 100% of the, uh, the people there that are Oklahoma State fans went to college there because there's not that many people in the damn town of Prague, okay? Look, I used to officiate some football games in Prague. I loved being out there. It's a great little town. But this, they had, yeah, yeah, you didn't go to school. And that's a lot of Oklahoma State fans, people, when you hear them, they're like, oh, well, you're, you're a gooner. You didn't go to school there. I didn't know going to a school was the prerequisite to be a fan. If that's the case, then 95% of college football fans need to stop watching college football. I mean, what's the prerequisite for being an NFL fan? It's, it's, it's stupid comments like this that really just kind of just chat my ass, if you want to say that. And, and I'm not, again, Oklahoma State to me is not a rival. I've talked to people about this before. The longest winning streak Oklahoma has ever Oklahoma State has ever had in this series is two games. Oklahoma has had a 19-game winning streak a couple of times. That's the number of times total that Oklahoma State has beat Oklahoma is 19 in the 118 years of this game being played. 19 times you've won. All right? You've almost lost 100 times. Oklahoma has 24 shutout victories. Oklahoma State has 19 total victories. Again, you're not a rival. You're an in-state opponent. But, you know, Coach Gundy, he still likes to talk about it, saying it was more of a rivalry back then and now, but, you know, social media and stuff like that. But here's Mike Gundy talking this week. When you were, you last thing, last mm-hmm. thing yeah. um, when you were a player versus where you are now as a coach, did you, was it hard for you to not get caught up in the rivalry? Um, it didn't bother me because we didn't have phones and social media, but it was a rivalry then. Like, you know, uh, Bosworth spit in my face. I spit in his face. I mean, it was actually a rivalry, right? Like, um, uh, the summer of my, uh, before my sophomore year, you know, I would go to parties in Oklahoma City and, and uh, um, they would say, well, Bosworth and Migliazzo and some of those guys were here. And so I had to make a decision whether, um, were we going to have confrontation there and who was with me? Because, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, those guys, you know, I can kick them in the shin and run like hell, but, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, I'm not dumb. So we had to make those decisions because, I mean, what, what kind of a frame in mind was Brian going to be in on that point? I don't know. You know, um, you know had he uh, taken a, a vitamin C and had a few drinks? Well, he might not be a guy you want to talk to at that point. You know, he'd get real red and cross his face. So there, it was a rivalry then. Now it's not as much anymore, unfortunately, because of the way it is. But it's a very important game. I don't want to push past that. So he said that Bosworth may have taken a vitamin C. Was he insinuating that Mr. Bosworth was taking some cocaine? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. Remembering Mike Gundy as a quarterback at Midwest City High School back when he was in high school, one of the biggest trash talkers out there. I and You know, I'm not going to miss this game. I, I'm not. I, I'm Oklahoma fans, there may be some of you out there that, that are missing this game. I'm not going to miss it. The line is Oklahoma by six. The over is 61 and a half. I think I liked, uh, I think I like Oklahoma giving the six points. And I don't, I don't think, you know, cause I don't think Bowman's going to beat them in the secondary. I think it comes down to if Oklahoma can stop the ground attack and stop Ollie Gordon. I think Oklahoma bottles them up. And a lot of it is just cause I just want to shut Oklahoma state fans up and be done with them because we won't see you anymore. And Gundy's all butthurt because we're not going to play in the SEC anymore. That, that's fine. You're just mad because you didn't get asked to come to the SEC, Mike. 
have fun in the group of five conference with Utah now smacking you around every year. What a joke. My number one game of the weekend, though, back here in Tuscaloosa, in the state of Alabama. This rivalry takes center stage again as number 14 LSU heads into Titletown to take on number eight Alabama. This is an SEC elimination game. All right. Whatever team wins this game keeps their hopes alive for an SEC title berth. Maybe a shot at the college football playoffs. The loser is essentially eliminated, if you ask me. Now, gone are the days of the 9-3 BAM LSU games. This game will probably be a shootout. Or will Bama force LSU to slow it down some? Now, the Tigers are led by Jane Daniels. He's thrown for over 2,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, three interceptions. He has another great LSU wide receiver at number one, Malik Neighbors, with almost 1,000 yards receiving, nine touchdowns. Can Dallas turn to get some pressure on Jaden and will the secondary lock up Neighbors? The only thing close for me is probably when the Crimson Tide played Texas. You're looking at you know, guarding Neighbors. With Texas receivers like Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, now, again, I think Alabama is a different team than they were back at that Texas game. Jalen Milrow has really started to get into a rhythm with his deep passes to Jermaine Burton. Jason McClellan starting to be that dude at running back for Bama. Now, LSU is bringing in the number one scoring offense in the country. They average 47.4 points per game. and Alabama's only given up 16 and a half, so something's going to have to give. For the Tigers, they have a patchwork secondary. Zy Alexander now out for that game. Will that open up some chances for Burton and Isaiah Bond? Look for quick scores in this game, though, to change the momentum. A defensive score, a scooping score, pick six, big special teams play. You know, and Bama's shown they're not going to give up. They've gotten down. Tennessee, they got down. It's a different fight in this team, and they're really starting to hit that stride. Around. Look at the Tennessee game. They were down big. Came back, dominated the second half. Now, Alabama's actually dominated this series against LSU. The record of 55-27-5. and five. The old, you know, the old Saban Bowl. And I would lean to favor Alabama and Coach Saban. He usually does well in revenge games against teams that beat him the year before, right? It's prime time. Dixieland Delight versus Neck or calling Baton Rouge, depending on, you know, how into the game you really are. Whatever song you prefer, if you're a Tiger fan, the line is Bama by three with an over of 61 and a half. I would take the under in this game, right? I would take the under. And I'd probably still take Bama minus the three points. But, yeah, it's going to be a a great, great weekend of college football. That's my top five picks. I do want to take time to say, um, I know earlier this week, being from Oklahoma, where I live, I, I got to know a lot of people that were Texas Rangers fans. And congratulations to you guys. You got to witness your team win a World Series. I know I've got some people that I know. I heard them. Uh, back home talking about they're going down to the parade today in Texas. Enjoy it. Soak up those memories. You know, my, one of my former coworkers, TJ Perry, back at the the radio station, huge Rangers fans. I remember when, you know, his little boy Bronx was born. Now he, I'm, I promise you Bronx is not in school right now. They're down at this, uh, <laughs> this parade having it. But what a great way for Rangers to celebrate. In their 63rd season. Sixty years, right? Sixty years, they finally get one, and it was such a weird game because they go into it 
and there being no hit through six innings, and then they just kind of explode. And congratulations to the Rangers, to the fans. I'm a Commanders fan, so the NFL trade deadline has come and gone. The Commanders got rid of Chase Young to the 49ers for a pick and a compensatory pick. Montez Sweat to the Bears. To me, it shows that I think the team is going to move on from Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio by the season's end. I just I don't think they're meshing well with the team. I would not be surprised if Eric Bieniemy is not the head coach of the Washington Commanders heading next year and maybe by the end of this season. I, you know, I, I'm not one I don't like calling for coaches to be fired middle of the year, but uh, I'm I'm done with the Ron Rivera experiment in Washington. If you're an NFL fan, key games to watch this weekend. The Chiefs travel to Miami. Can they bounce back after losing to the Broncos? Seahawks-Ravens, interesting matchup. Cowboys at the Eagles and the Bills versus the Bengals. Probably the top games to watch this weekend in the NFL. NCAA basketball right around the corner. I think it starts Monday. Official games. NBA is underway. I'm going to dive into some predictions and break down of the college NBA action moving forward. Also, the NHL started. So, you know, love the Devils. Got to keep rooting for my Devils, right? Played well last year, lost it in the playoffs, but you know you got to you got to keep hope alive. You know, like David Putty in in, in Seinfeld, we're the Devils. He always had a good time being a Devils fan. Now it's time for my give him a sixer six picks of the week. Here's the snap. Look, swing play to pain. He's looking to the ten. Cuts outside five. Touchdown, give him a sixer, Brian Payne. Peyton Gavers looking for a pass down the far side. Caught, touchdown, Corbin Cleveland. Give him a sixer. All right, time to look at my give him a sixer, six picks for this week. My underdog winner of the week is Maryland over number 11, Penn State. What are we doing, Maryland? Crab cakes and football. <laughs> That's, you know, the line from uh, one of the best movies out there, Wedding Crashers. The line in this game is eight. I think the Terps with the younger Tongue of Iloa brother can be explosive. We're going to see if Penn State can bounce back from a really bad performance. But I like Maryland to win outright in my underdog winner of the week. Now, I always pick something. That's a six and a half, at least a six and a half point spread or more. To me, that's an upset. Three points is kind of a pick em, you know, and I, I don't really get it. But you're right at that touchdown for me. That's that's an upset. Also, I like Washington minus three against USC. I like Kansas State getting the three and a half. I think Texas can win. I think it's going to be close. But I would take Kansas State getting the three and a half. Now, I like Missouri getting points, 15 and a half. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of points. I like Missouri getting the points in that game. I like Oklahoma giving up six to Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma houses them. And I like Bama minus three. You know, I I just think in this game, the way Alabama is playing right now, you're not going to keep them out of the SEC championship game. I could be wrong. I know there's a lot of Alabama fans out there that hope I'm not. But I like Alabama to beat LSU Saturday night in Titletown. But that's my give them a sixer, six picks. Maryland for the upset underdog winner over Penn State. I like Washington minus three against USC. 
I like Kansas State plus three and a half. I like Missouri getting the 15 and a half. I like Oklahoma giving up six. And I like Bama giving up three. Now, again, one of my favorite times. Oh, yeah. Where are we going now for the stadium reviews? Somewhere we have not been yet. Oh, yeah. Fight on, USC. You know, L.A.'s no for their food scene, right? What's there to eat when you go to the Coliseum? I don't know if they have a lot of food. You know, I've never been there. You know, it's an old stadium, right? It's an old location. What do they have to eat there? Is there anything good? If you're looking to find out, if you're ever going to be out that way, if you're traveling to a game anywhere, you can go to the stadiumreviews.com, right? So this week we're looking at the classic Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. All right, great location. Now, I wonder if USC is going to get a sellout like UCLA did last week. UCLA had a sellout against Colorado. USC, not so much. So what's there to eat? The Fight On Grill. The Fight On USC, the Fight On Grill. Classic stadium meals, french fries, chicken tendies, soda water, beer, stuff like that. The food court, you'll be able to find your hamburgers, Beyond Burgers, classic nachos, tacos, hot dogs, all that good stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if this place you could find some salads as well. This seems like a salad-friendly football stadium. Portable beer stands all over the place, Coliseum dogs, hot dogs. You gotta love that. Chick-fil-A. I think Chick-fil-A had made it all the way out to the West Coast. You know, I thought they were more of a Pollo Loco kind of place, but I digress. Some of the new food to enjoy at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Olay. Signature tacos of protein and more. Smoked classic barbecue meals, including pulled pork barbecue sandwiches. Barbecue brisket, mac and cheese. Okay. Smoked Santa Maria tri-tip sandwiches. Uh, smoke tri-tip. I, I, I could be down for some smoke tri-tip. LA hot dogs, more Roma specialty thin crust pizza. I like thin crust. Me and my wife, we're going to have a hot honey pepperoni from Donato's tonight. A thin crust. If you got a Donato's around you and you can get a, a hot honey pepperoni pizza, do it. Five stars in my book. And desserts at the Coliseum. Italian ice, pretzels, candy all over the place. But that again... If you're looking for a game that you're going to go visit, check out the stadiumreviews.com. And you can go back and listen to my episode. I actually had the stadium reviews on, and we talked about some of the great stuff out there. But I will say this. You know what's coming up. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving's coming up. Look! Look! I got 
beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, chicken, turkeys, rabbits, you name it, look! I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, 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 but you know it's coming. You have beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkey, ham, rams. She had it all. <laughs> I love it, man. I love when that song gets to playing around Thanksgiving time. But just want to say again, thank you for spending time with us here and another delicious episode of Sports Bites where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food. I hope you savored the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. Now, if you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can also go over to YouTube, check out. I got some videos over there. It's under Sports Bites Podcast. You can find it right there. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. So until next time, everybody, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive. May your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone. Remember to always positively move forward.